Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be set so, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles is also for you. I'm very glad. But I want to point out that this feast is also a command for us to do. It's not party if you feel like it. I don't feel like it. He says, no, you need to do it. There's a point to this. We're supposed to. Verse 13, he says, you shall observe the Feast of Tabernacles. So Gentiles, Jews, do you think we should be doing this? If God come in the room and said, I want you to do that right now, oh, I'll do it. Well, he said for us to do this, yeah, we should do it. It's funny when I talk to people about obeying the word of God, they don't want to do it. And I said, if the Lord walked in here right now and told you to pick up that piece of paper on the floor, would you do it? Well, yes, I would, because God told me to do it. And I'm like, okay, well, he's telling us to do it. <laughs> and so I think we should do it. God wants us to have joy. And left up to ourselves, we'll sink ourselves. And we'll bleh. So God's like, you're going to be happy about it, and you're going to do it. (laughs) I think it's kind of funny that he has to talk to us like that. Like kids, when they get in a certain way, you're going to be happy, and you're going to do what I tell you to do. (laughs) Maybe not that extreme, but I'm just glad he put it this direct. I'm, I'm glad that we can understand this. So I think we should do it. Now go to Leviticus chapter 23. It's talking about the Feast of Tabernacles. Check this out. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. For seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation. And you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a sacred assembly, and you shall do no customary work on it. These are the feasts of the Lord. That's very important, guys. There's a lot of man-made holidays going on. The big one at the end of this month, it's not in the Bible. It's crazy, but it says, These are the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. To offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, a burnt offering and a grain offering, a sacrifice and drink offerings, everything on its day, besides the Sabbaths of the Lord, besides your gifts, besides all your vows, and besides all your free will offerings which you give to the Lord. Also, on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. On the first day there shall be a Sabbath rest, and on the eighth day a Sabbath rest. And you shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of beautiful trees, 
branches of palm trees, the boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. That's where we're at right now, guys. This is what we're going to do. It's, it's party time, okay? You shall keep it. Another thing to underline, you shall keep it. That's what we're doing. Keep it as a feast to the, to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall, here it is. This is what we're going to be doing Saturday, guys. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses declared to the children of Israel the feasts of the Lord. Okay, that's pretty much the Feast of Tabernacles. And here's how you do it and what all. And the the leafy stuff and the fruits and all that, we're going to have food. Somebody bring some fruit. All right, all that good stuff, just like he's talking about here. So they were to take fruit from beautiful trees, palm branches, and rejoice before the Lord. Okay, I got into this little mode with myself when I started reading about going out and getting all this stuff because you can't go to Froberg Farm, you can't go to Kroger, and just go to the produce section. I had to consider the fact that Israel was lost where? In the desert. You want me to go find what? (laughs) See the problem? That's where I would have been. They're in the desert. There's, they're not in Egypt anymore. There's no Nile River, no grocery stores. That means they had to go find the stuff, all these leafy things, these, the vegetables in the desert. So I got to thinking, if the Lord commanded them to go and get these things, then it also means that the Lord was going to provide them with all these things. See, he's, he's putting them to a challenge to recognize what he's doing for them. All right, we're out here, but we're going to do the Feast of Tabernacles and go get all the stuff. Where? Well, you go and I'll, I'll get it. We'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> okay, I think we're going to learn out of this, right? <laughs> so, being nomadic, they didn't, they, they, they didn't have everything that what we would think of to go get something. They, they had to go find it. I'm sure they had some temporary crops, but when you're in the middle of the hot desert and you set out to go find this kind of vegetation and bam, there it is. Well, I went this way. I think, I, think, uh, I think my friend John went that way. I'm pretty sure he found something. Wherever they went, they, they found it because the Lord provided for his people. Friends, we need to celebrate the fact that the Lord tabernacles with us, not just to be here and, oh, that's great, but also that because he's among us, he's going to provide for us at the same time. How am I going to pay my rent? Well, the Lord's with you. Well, how am I supposed to get through this situation, situation that I'm in? Well, the Lord's with you. Well, how am I supposed to? And you know how our imagination runs off with us, and before you know it, we're, we're gone? You know how our imagination gets away with us? The Lord's going to go with you. And that's what he's showing them in this. It's so great. So let's put yourself in their spot. You're out in the desert, and... It's Feast of Tabernacles time, and you're, you're being sent out to go find some particular thing, some kind of vegetative thing, uh, fruity, fruity thing, and you go, and there it is. Would you not celebrate over that? Because it happened. Because the Lord told me to do it, and, and I went, and, and there it is. Would that not cause you to celebrate? It would me. That's something to celebrate over, Right? Just knowing that your God provides for you where you thought it was impossible. 
So lost for 40 years, but the Lord still provided for his people. He was still good to them, even though they had sinned against him. That's something that makes me want to celebrate, is even though I have sinned against the Lord greatly, multiple times, I'm probably the single biggest sinner in this room, yet the Lord God is still good to me. I'm so thankful. Guys, that's worth partying about right there. And I know a lot of people that if you do them wrong just one time, they won't have anything to do with you because you messed me over, I'm done. But here's God who had been rejected over and over again many, many times, and he still provided for his people because he has always called them my people. He's taking ownership of his people. They're mine, he says. That's amazing. And so why are we supposed to keep this feast besides the fact that the Lord God simply told us to do it, which should be enough. (laughs) But why should we do it? Because of verse 41. Look at that. He says, it shall be a statute forever in your generations. Okay, a statute is a law or it's a rule. And how long were they supposed to keep this statute? Did it have an expiration date on it? No, I don't see that it ever ended. And I don't see that there's ever a later writing where God says, okay, Feast of Tabernacles is over. You don't have to do it anymore. No, it's still on. When he said forever, he meant forever. He said, remember, I had you underline, keep it. And now he's saying it's to be a statute forever. They were to keep doing it. And I've been in Israel and I've seen them still doing it. They're doing it today. They're probably at it right now. Um. Show that picture. I think I've got a picture there. Those are some sukkahs on terraces. I mean, those are people that live upstairs. And so they took their little terrace. And you can see they made like a little temporary like bamboo and wood and stuff like that. They built sukkahs out there. And the Schwartzes are entirely familiar with this kind of a scene. I had to Google it. Okay, I probably have some pictures from a trip that when I was there. But that's how serious they take this. They're putting sukkahs outside their apartments. Um, let me show you even how more serious some people take it. Go to the next one. Those are sukkahs on bicycles. And they're delivering single-person sukkahs to whoever wants them. Hank said, ah, sukkah cycle. So that's the sukkah cycle. And you could call up and say, uh, hey, I'd like a sukkah. And they'll say, happy Sukkot. And they'll get it on a bike and they'll wheel it out to your house. And they will sit in the sukkah. They'll just sit in it. I'm not kidding. And some of the people with terraces even smaller than the ones I showed you, that may be all the room they had, but you're supposed to be outside with it, and that's what they do. If you saw a guy doing that in America, what would you say? What in the world? You might see it in New York, but here it's completely foreign. We have no idea what this is, okay? So, they, so again, why were they told to keep this statute, to keep this feast every year forever? The Lord told them why in verse 43. He said that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You're not in Egypt anymore? Good. Do you know how that came about? Because I took you out of there. I am your God. Don't serve Baal. Don't serve anything else. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out. So this is kind of a, kind of a remembrance thing that they were doing with these sukkahs, okay, to, to, to remember. Now, um, have you ever gotten so busy 
that you forgot about God. I do it. I'm not going to tell you how often I do it, but I do it. <laughs> I even, there's been times I got so busy in ministry work, I forgot God was in it. I started thinking, well, how am I supposed to, oh my gosh, I, wait a minute. I'm a pastor, I should be praying about this. You ever get like that? You ever get so busy you forgot about God? Have you ever gotten to a point where you forgot that everything you have comes from God? You start getting to that point where you start thinking that what you have belongs to you. It don't. It came from him. It's for him. Have you ever forgotten that the very reason why you are alive and free, alive and free, is because the Lord God gave you that freedom? I think we have a whole society that forgot that out there. They're, they're doing this with a closed fist, shaking it at God rather than in open hands praising God. They forgot. We've all done it. But that's why the Lord commanded this celebration to be done once a year so that their generations, which is all their children after them, would be reminded and so that they would never forget what the Lord God has done for them. We need to remember, even as a Gentile in America, the stranger, foreigner, far away, I need to remember what the Lord God has done for the people of Israel. How he saved them from their bondage and said, I promise to take you here because that engrafted into them, I can remember that the Lord Jesus saved me from my bondage of sin and said, I will take you into eternal life. I need to be reminded of that. And that's worth celebrating about. That's worth feasting with the assembly, a sacred assembly together. That's so good. Kind of the same reason why we have Memorial Day in America once a year, because we need to be reminded about the sacrifices that our military people have done for us so that we'll never forget it, and that our children will learn it, and they won't forget. But sadly, there's a time when people forget, okay? And that even happened for the people of Israel as well. Israel, they fell off into sin with their false god worship. We've been studying a lot about that in 2 Kings. They were worshiping Baal. But anyway, they got off into uh, false god worship. And so the Lord used Babylon as an instrument of judgment against them. And the Israelites were taken captive, taken away by King Nebuchadnezzar. They were taken out of there. And just as was prophesied in Scripture, the Israelites would be allowed to return to Jerusalem after 70 years of exile. So then they came back. Gone for 70 years is a whole time for a generation to really forget. Okay? Then they came back. And then that prophecy that they would come back was fulfilled in 537 BC. King Cyrus of Persia allowed them to return to Israel, Nehemiah, you may remember, to rebuild the city and the temple. Now you can read that also, uh, you can read about that in the book of Haggai and the book of Nehemiah. After the Israelites returned back to their land, it says they, they wanted to get together with the priest Ezra, and they said, let's get together and let's read from our scriptures. Let's, let's, just, let's just get together and read this. We've been away from it for so long, let's just start reading stuff, okay? And it's so amazing that while they were reading it, while Ezra was reading the word to them, it says they found, they actually rediscovered again that they should be celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. <laughs> After 70 years, here's this Tabernacles thing, and whoa, what is that? 
They had forgotten the Feast of Tabernacles, but the Lord brought it back to their memory again. God was not about to let them forget. And I want to show you where it happened in Nehemiah 8 and 13. It says, Now on the second day, the heads of the fathers' houses of all the people with the priests and Levites were gathered to Ezra the scribe in order to understand the words of the law. And they found, see that? Verse 14 says they found it. That means they forgot. That means they had to find it again, like I found that little action figure from my race car, okay? And they found, written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month, and that they should announce and proclaim in all the cities and in Jerusalem, saying, go out to the mountain and bring olive branches, branches of all trees, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of leafy trees trees to make booths as it is written. Now look what they do here. We just found it. Wow, this is cool. What do they do? Verse 16. Then the people went out. <laughs> it's like, check this out. I'm going. <laughs> That's just neat. I'm trying to get you in it. Then the people went out and brought them and made themselves booths. You know what this means? That means they read the scriptures and discovered it at the time when it was time to do it. Imagine the timing. Isn't that great? And made themselves booths, each one on the roof of his house or in their courtyards or the courts of the house of God and in the open square of the water gate and in the open square of the gate of Ephraim or on their bicycle or the terrace of their apartment. And you see what they're doing? They're doing it anywhere they can do it. Verse 17 So the whole assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, until that day, the children of Israel had not done so. They lost it. They had not done so. And there was very great gladness. Also day by day, from the first day until the last, he read from the book of the law of God, and guess what? They kept the feast seven days. We found a party that we lost, and we won it back. And they got right to work on it. Okay, Gentiles and Jews alike, my Christian friends, I'm talking to you about the Feast of Tabernacles. Who is in a hurry to get to that sukkah? I'm going to build a sukkah in my backyard this week. Who's anxious to get under that thing and dwell in it and let's party? Just like these guys. I'm ready. <laughs> this is our big thing that we do every year, right? Now, I love how it says they found it. It says they found. It's like they discovered it. It was never really lost. It was with them the whole time. The Lord God had been with them. So it was like, bam, let's get out and do this. Guys, you know, what a treasure it is to find this great celebration given to them by the Lord as a way to celebrate their liberation from Egypt. This time to celebrate it again after being liberated from Babylon. We got out of Egypt, now we're out of Babylon. They want it. And friends, I'll tell you, when I see people genuinely get saved by Jesus and they're truly liberated, the righteousness of God and the, and the celebratory attitude about it they really want it this is a picture of somebody who just got saved okay the lord god liberated us and he wants us i'm i'm happy about it so they're they're celebrating and it's no wonder they got out so quick to go find all these fruits and branches because it gave them a way to express and celebrate their deliverance 
In fact, the Jews still held on to the Feast of Tabernacles all the way up into the time of the Gospel accounts. So I'm taking you all around history right now. And they held on to it during Jesus' day in Mark 9, verse 2, when Jesus was transfigured on the mount. Check this out. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white, like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah, guys, we've been reading about Elijah. Here he is way later, okay. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here, and let us make what? three tabernacles look at peter's reaction to this let us make three tabernacles one for you one for moses and one for elijah because he did not know what to say for they were greatly afraid okay he sees this going on he's like i want to make some tabernacles okay what's going on ray (laughs) let me explain first off here's a quick little thing i often ask people um did moses ever make it into the promised land and people say no he didn't The Lord God let him look at it, and then he died. Um, Excuse me, I see here he made it. Because he's standing in Israel, okay? He made it. (laughs) And so he's there. So God says, I'll get you somewhere. He'll get get you there. But anyway, this is a little side thing. But Jesus' outward appearance here, it changed into a completely different kind of form. I don't know how to explain it, except for what you read. It's very, very different that nobody had ever seen. What the disciples saw him change into was how Jesus will look in a way that when he returns to establish his kingdom on earth. This that we've been talking about, we're looking for Messiah Jesus to come. He gave them kind of like a glimpse of that there. And Moses and Elijah's presence that were with him, that validated him as proof that Jesus is the Messiah. He is... A lot of Jewish people are not believing that right now. But this validated that, that he is the Messiah. And so Peter, he was so overtaken with what he saw. I mean, this was what just happened to him. He looked so different. He didn't know what to do. He had this impulsive response to do what? To build three tabernacles. To build three tabernacles. Now, this is where I as a Gentile struggle to get into the Jewish frame of mind on why did he do this? Why was he thinking? What what was he thinking? He wanted to make a tent or a booth for each one of them. Why? Because Peter had mistakenly thought that the final kingdom of Christ had come. He thought, this is it. It's done. This is what he was talking about. It's over. He thought this was the time. Peter thought it was done and over with, and Jesus had arrived, that this was the end of everything as the world knew it. It's over with. Peter thought he was witnessing the fulfillment of Zechariah 14, 16, which says, uh, which talks about when the Messiah's worldwide reign is finally established. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.